If you're a Star Trek fan, you should listen to Inglorious Trexperts, the ultimate Star Trek podcast for sci-fi fans with a life. Listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're not listening to The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast, you should be. It's the podcast that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Oh, man, that is like just some lame Star Wars humor. And if you like lame Star Wars humor, you're going to love The Rebel and the Rogue, the new podcast from the Electric Surge Network. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you've never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and you're listening to the 430 movie. Welcome to Psycho Killer Week. <laughs> oh my God. Everybody's gone. They're all gone. What happened? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm the last one left. You never know who might be a psycho killer. Are you the final girl? Uh, yeah, I'm the final girl. That's right. No, I'm like Randy and Scream. Just keep quoting movies. Um, so uh, anyway, we're celebrating. This is the end of our, our celebration of Halloween scares and frights and things that go bump in the night with uh, your favorite 430 movie hosts. Uh, here we are celebrating uh, season two of uh, your favorite podcast. And I'm thrilled to once again be joined by Stephen Melching. Hello. <laughs> Darren Doctorman. <laughs> I'm a psycho killer, but I act like everybody else. <laughs> and of course, the real psycho killer, Ashley Miller. Hi there. <laughs> Welcome back, Connor. That was Freddie Boom Boom Washington. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> well, come and on. I'll be Horshack. <laughs> Horshack was the murderer, by he the way. He really was. Ron Palillo? Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Um, oh, although Mr. He, was, he was murdered by uh, by Jason in one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. Well, oh, there you well, go. Okay. Exactly. See? See? Wow, you six. are a font of knowledge, sir. <laughs> That's that what is... happens when you actually do the homework. <laughs> yeah. He knew that without looking at his notes. Let <laughs> me right. tell you. I saw it in the theater, and I'm like, hey, that's Arnold Horshack. He's getting killed by Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was it? Was it? That wasn't Jason Takes New York, was it? I think it was six. Manhattan. I think it was part six. It was Jason versus the Sweathawks. Jason versus, I would pay real money to <laughs> right? see that. It's like he doesn't kill Epstein oh because God. Epstein's got a note from his mom. Right. <laughs> and, the, and the killer is John Travolta. Right? No, the killer is Mr. Woodman. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Like, Mr. Woodman. <laughs> John Travolta, like, telling jokes about Jason's mom? I mean, uh-huh. come on. That's funny. Mr. Woodman. <laughs> you know, I had an uncle. Great to the infantry. My oh mom my was actually goodness. the killer in the first film. <laughs> oh my god. Well, well. So, as long as Mrs. Cotter survives. I was gonna say, I was oh, just I gonna know, say as long as Marsha Strassman is I was there. So in love with Steve her. is yeah. so on it. Yeah. So in love Steve with her. Steve is, is always uh, that is like Steve's perfect girl, Marsha uh, Strassman. Oh, way too great. perfect for you know, Gabe Catlin. <laughs> What does that how mean? We got to, like, well, how did Gabe We're Kaplan, talking about psycho how, killers. That's how we got Gabe there. You know how we started? Ashley saying hi there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's usually how it goes. We got off. How do we? We got off the rails in the opening yeah. minute. Of that's our a show. new record for us. Yeah, yeah. it took it, us it, a, two a, words. It's a new rail record. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Welcome Back Connor Week, the <laughs> <on a> 4:30 <laughs> movie, <laughs> where uh, the real people sweating are Monday you. is Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, let's do Tuesday it. Tuesday is Friday Night okay. Lights. We're no it's longer doing psycho week. killers. We're doing Six Degrees of Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> okay. And DC Cab is... DC Cab. <laughs> right, okay. So let's see, what else? Um, uh, who, let's see, who else was in that show? Because... Uh, oh, dear God. Well, no. uh, Honey, I Blew Up the Kids, because yeah. Marsha Strassman. Oh, That's, yeah. Oh, very oh, good. Right. So far, three, we got three days program <laughs> of Welcome oh, Back, Cotter. we close. Well, <laughs> and, and, of course, there were some great guest stars on that show, too. Sure. See, I, okay. do, I, I think I do better on WKRP in Cincinnati week. But yeah. okay, let's my move goodness. on. God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> Les Nessman. Um, Psycho okay. killer. 
It wouldn't surprise me. Well, okay. You know, you, we might have watched Welcome Back, Cotter, uh, before the 430 movie. That's yeah, we true. might have. When it was on. True. Well, Back. now I think uh, at the time, actually, uh, you know, in the late 70s. It was 70s, on in prime time. It was on 8 o'clock on ABC. Oh. Yeah, you know, Thursday nights. Yeah, yeah, but there were reruns. Yeah, but not till later. And I don't know if uh, Welcome Back, Cotter was in syndication for that long. Uh, only in the 90s. Because mm. it was on Nick at Night, I think. Nick at Night, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it, it definitely didn't become a perennial the way that uh, Cheers or Seinfeld right. or The Office or any of those shows uh, did. Okay, enough about it. <laughs> <laughs> enough about Welcome Back, Cotter. Half our audience has no idea what we're talking. What is it? What, what, what is it? Like of course. Welcome yeah, Back, yeah. Cotter, you speak of? Although it's weird because, boots you know. Miller's going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> that shout out's for you, Boots. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, Get Smart just turned, uh, had an anniversary yesterday. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah. Which is another movie I thought, another show that I thought people would never forget. It would always yeah. be on. It's forgotten. Forgotten. Well, there Not is by a, us. There is a Blu-ray yeah. of the nude bomb coming. Uh, I know from Kino Lorber, the yeah. people bring you the, off, uh, yeah. the, the Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very exciting. Okay. Um, anyway, Psycho Killer Week on the 430 movie. This is where we curate a fantasy theme week of movies about killers, murderers, and serial killers. Ooh, it's a very exciting week. Um, and of course, this is part of our Halloween celebration. So I'm gonna look to Steve Melching Monday to uh, stab away. Take a stab at this. Well, I'm gonna stab away at uh, one of my favorite movies of the 2000s. Uh, it's a movie um Based uh, on the uh, the the real investigation into one of the most Don't infamous. Oh, son of a! Took my pick killer. again. Oh, are you, uh, well, of course, I'm picking Zodiac. Yeah, of course. Okay. Of course, you are. One of my favorite okay, movies of the two thousand. Look at your list now. Damn it! Uh, directed by David Fincher, uh, starring you know with a great all star cast: uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo, Anthony Edwards. A great turn by uh, John Carroll Lynch. Um, it has a magnificent David Shire score. <laughs> Mark is over there just shaking his head because I snaked his pick. You said everything <laughs> I wanted to say. Well, you, you can join the discussion. Share it with me, Mark. It's well, such I a great movie. Share your pain. Everyone. The cinematography on this movie is just immaculate. It is gorgeous. It has a terrific sense of dread about it. The score by David Shire is wonderful the the uh the source music uh that uh, that Fincher picked is perfect um it's uh it's an it's an epic uh, about a, the police investigation into the Zodiac killer well look you know I obviously was going to pick the same movie. Um, we could show it twice. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty long. It we long. could divide it into two days. <laughs> but no, um, you know, everyone talks about Seven, and deservedly so. I mean, uh, you know, that that's the film in which uh, Fincher really emerges as a, a, an, a, a very important filmmaker in the 90s. Um, but Zodiac, to me, is is the masterpiece. Yeah. Um, it's slow. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just Beautifully photographed. It's less overheated and overbaked than Seven, um, and it's just uh, uh, an extraordinary film. And and you know, uh, it, it, obviously in real life, uh, they never figured out who the Zodiac killer was, and so it's not a very particularly satisfying <laughs> ending in the real world. And and yet he still manages to make the movie feel complete mm-hmm. and satisfying. Um, and uh, you know, um, didn't have to invent an ending mm-hmm. uh, that was more palatable. Uh, it's just and and just we talk about dread and we talk about the suspense and uh, what's also amazing about it is such a great use of CG yeah. to create the period. Normally, uh, you know, CG stands out, uh, but if you've ever looked at the American cinematographer or the special features on that wonderful Blu-ray. Mm. Um, uh, how much he's done in terms of set extensions and so uh, subtle. It's mm-hmm. so subtle but, but and yet remarkably not effective. Subtle. He's creating an entire roadside scene mm-hmm. or or a street scene on green screen, right. but it looks totally real. That's well, one of the things I most admire about David Fincher is his slavish obsession with and attention to detail. It's almost Kubrickian uh, yeah. in the in the mania of it. And it just comes through. You, I mean, he obviously has a reputation for taking a long time to shoot and, you know, his movies cost a lot of money. But when you see the results on the screen, they are always beautiful, even when, like, his movies don't work as well as some of his other's movies do. Um, and uh, Zodiac is certainly no exception. Um, I, I think it's an awesome true crime film. Um, and it's 
because I think in part not just because it's it's beautifully made, but because it has the courage to end on a question mark mm-hmm. instead of an exclamation point, which I, I mm-hmm. think is awesome. And they they bring up there's so many great little twists and turns in it, and they they posit a couple of wholly credible suspects mm-hmm. in the movie, but don't really lay it out for you as to which one it could be. Well, and rather than inventing an ending, yeah. you know, and he's just like, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I actually do kind of have a problem with the Tarantino reinvention of history, particularly killing Hitler and Inglorious Bastards, but more so Sharon Tate when this is such a tragedy, um, uh, you know, and then, you know, reinventing that to, to, to make it fun, you know, and satisfying. And well, um, and I think that... That's a whole other podcast. That's yeah. a whole other podcast. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I love the movie. I love both those movies. But... Um, you know, I love that Zodiac. You know, sticks with the real story in a sense, and and doesn't try well, and you know give you a movie movie ending. Um, I think it sticks with you too. It's one of those kind of hypnotic films that gets under your skin, and I find myself watching it at least once a year. Yeah. And the the Blu-ray special features are tremendous. There's a feature length documentary about the Zodiac Killer yes. that is just as compelling. In its own way, it's a the beautiful movie. Blu-ray special edition uh, that are, v- are very short supply these days. Very, you know, mostly now everything is EPK and stuff that was shot. Th- this is one of the last really great, um, especially from Paramount, uh, um, uh, really complete packages. And obviously, that's a testament to Fincher. Also, I find that with directors, you usually get somebody who's a really great actor's director or somebody who's a great mm-hmm. technician, mm-hmm. but very rarely they bring it all together. And you know, Fincher is somebody who is as brilliant technically as he is with performance and as he is with composition and but you know, just really a master of everything. And it's very rare you find somebody who comes out of uh, special effects who yeah. who's that strong with story. Yeah. And I feel like he just is uh, you know, he just just a master of of, of every uh, everything on set. Well, I think and, his secret weapon is that, you know, the reason why his his scenes always work, even in, again, in films that I, I think don't work as well in, on the whole as films. For example, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which I think has got amazing scenes in the context of a, of a movie slightly weaker, is um, Fincher absolutely knows what point of view he is going to sit you in mm-hmm. in a scene, mm-hmm. and he is committed to it. He doesn't cheat it. He leaves you there, and he and if he's going to break out of it, if he's going to change it, he does it with a purpose that really has an impact on you. And because of that, you feel like, you know, all of these compositions they aren't just pretty. Um, he's telling us something very specific and important, right? Which is why, like, I, I interpret, you know, his again his attention to detail as it's not just. OCD or being a control freak. He is trying to tell us something very specific with every shot. And I love that about him. It's, it's why, like, I will, you know, defend uh, and excuse Alien 3, like, you know, up one side and down the other, because I think you see a lot of that um, in the filmmaking uh, in Alien 3. It's like other things notwithstanding. It's like what he does there is he's still the same guy when he gets to Zodiac. Uh, which I think is just fascinating to watch his movies in that and, way. And circling back to his attention to detail, um, and and also bringing in the the screenwriter James Vanderbilt. If you haven't listened to the audio commentary track on that Blu-ray, it is fascinating. Also, mm-hmm. and the uh, the amount of research they did before making this film, they interviewed everybody they could possibly find, all the surviving victims, the police officers. I mean, they interviewed everybody to try to make sure they got it as recreated everything as accurately as possible. It seems Ashley and I have basically switched roles this season on the 430 movie. Um, And because of that, I think, I have a confession I need to make. I have never seen this film. Oh, okay. So I look forward to enjoying it now because of your recommendation. Yeah, that's great. You should definitely uh, get the Blu-ray. And uh, this is not something for Netflix. It's something you go right. on Amazon or whatever right. and get the Blu-ray. Because it's a great Blu-ray. And I think it's fairly cheap, too, now. Yeah. Um, but it's a wonderful movie. I think you're really going to enjoy it. I look forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But don't watch it with the lights out. <laughs> or, or on, depending on who you're watching it with. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, yeah, great, great choice. Would have been a great choice for me too. Uh, <laughs> um, so, Darren Doctorman, Tuesday, Tuesday. Okay, I'm I'm going rogue again. This is something that not many people have seen because it's really hard to find, and it it came out and was in release for maybe about a week. Turnabout Intruder, wrong. Magic, no. 
This is actually based on a book that I mentioned as my uh, pick of the week in our first episode. What? Does anybody remember? No one remembers. Archivist? I, I barely remember. Boots Miller? <laughs> this is from uh, 2006, and it's called Perfume. Oh, yes, you did mention oh, yes. that. The Story of a Murderer, mm, um, yes. based on a German book. Uh, it stars Ben Wishaw as... Q. <laughs> no. <laughs> as this... Uh, this runt of a person who is basically thrown out into the world. It takes place in the 1700s. So um, as the book describes, the world of the 1700s stank. And the Comic-Con. The the book is... (laughs) Very good. Oh, we can can leave now. That was great. (laughs) Bye, Mike. The the book is so... uh, excellent at conveying the sense of smell through description and it's an amazing if you find if you uh, look for the book it's a lovely experience to read the movie is pretty good too at sort of conveying this through um visuals and uh, and uh you know cinematography that's the same thing i realize um but it's um it's incredibly uh well done and the performances are great. The look of the film is amazing. And it's a really creepy story about this person who has no scent of his own and has a, uh, an accelerated uh, sense of smell so that he can basically pick out, uh, he can close his eyes and, and go through the world on just his sense of smell. He can smell how stones smell. The scentalist. Yeah. <laughs> the olfactorist. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> the olfactor. The olfactor. <laughs> Coming next season from Marvel. But it's it's really it's really amazing. And he he creates he, he's trying to create a scent for himself and he does this by killing young virgin girls and distilling their essence into this perfume that he makes. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing, really horrifying, and it's great. Yeah, it's interesting. And it makes a terrific uh, gift. This was yeah. uh, produced by Bernd Eichinger, yeah. um, who uh, started uh, and owned, uh, he died a couple of years ago, uh, Constantine Film. This was his dream project. Mm-hmm. And I think he spent more money than had ever been spent on a movie in Germany on this film. It did not perform particularly well, right. but it was his his absolute dream project. And uh, For a while, project. Ridley Scott was going to direct it. For a while, and well, then that went. They away. ended up with Tomas Tikver, who is yeah. a fantastic director. Absolutely. He directed Run Lola Run, yep. among other things. He's a f- wonderful German and director. Part of Cloud Atlas, yes, right. But it's 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 amazing, and I I was so surprised to see how um, how it evoked the same responses that I got from reading the book, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Well, I haven't seen it, but it sounds and smells amazing. <laughs> 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 no, I mean honestly, it really does. You're, you're a funny guy. Thank you. <laughs> no, I. Uh, that what happens amazing. to funny guys. <laughs> um, and uh, no, I, I, tell me more. I mean, well, what would you like to know? Well, who's in it? Well, Ben Wishaw. Glad you asked. Uh, ben Wishaw is, and hold on, I have another list here. Um, Dustin Hoffman. Oh, oh, that's right. Is, is yeah, in yeah. a secondary role, yeah. and he's brilliant. He plays the smell of dead virgins. He he play, he plays an old uh, uh, perfumer, who uh, the uh, the Ben Wishaw character um, Jean Louis uh, Baptiste Granouille. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his name. It's, Love it. it's the word for frog in okay. French. Um, but. Um, he, he, he Walter becomes. Walter Mosley. <laughs> he, um, he becomes uh, the apprentice to Dustin Hoffman, mm. and uh, you know Dustin Hoffman it, it plays this uh, perfumer who has uh, long been irrelevant and uh, doesn't know how to do his job anymore. He's losing his uh, uh, powers, and um, Granoui comes in and basically duplicates this popular scent that is that that uh, Hoffman is trying to replicate. Well, I saw this on an episode of Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's an amazing scene and 
Also, Alan Rickman is in it. And say uh, no more. Again, We're there. <laughs> I mean, you know, the late great Alan Rickman. Um, I had what a savings. Um, <laughs> it, but it's it's so it's it's so wonderful. The cast is is glorious, and the movie looks beautiful, and it smells great. And, and another thing I like about movies like this is that it it brings you into a world that you probably don't know anything about right. and never thought about. Right. Like making, how do you make a perfume? Like what's involved? Right. You know, it's this whole it's amazing. industry that was incredibly big and right. lucrative at the to- at that very stinky right. time in history. So it's right. like Sweetie Todd, but yes, with no but music. With... And it's not about me. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. You know, I have to say... Um, you you know you talking about Alan Rickman makes me think we should do a Galaxy Quest anniversary episode of Inglorious Trexperts. I, I think we should. We should. We maybe should. we can get Dean Parasol on the show. Or or maybe we should do a, a retrospective on of the eighties show. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or you know yeah, we can absolutely. talk about how the you know the the reboot went wrong. Yeah. You know let's. Okay, well, let's save it for that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. other show that you should uh, be I'm listening to. I'm just free as pre-associating. <laughs> okay, uh, so Perfume is Darren Doctorman's pick for Tuesday. Um, the full name of the movie, of course, is Perfume. The Story of a Murderer. The Story of a Murderer. murderer. Okay, and uh, that that is, is Darren's pick. Very interesting, and, and uh, I would say out of left field, not in a bad way, but out of left field pick that you wouldn't expect um and and uh but Darren has championed this movie before and it's the kind of movie we love to feature on the 4-3 movie. Yes. Again, this is not a show necessarily about the best or most popular. It's about uh the, the movies that we feel uh, that have affected us. That affected us, yeah. but they curated that 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 work together in a week to reinforce the theme uh of the week and theme. Got it. Theme. So it's about, you know, like like we've said this before, the the ingredients in a stew or in a <laughs> funny you mention it that that, that 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 go together because sometimes some very tasty it things. takes a lot to make a stew you, you a don't bit of have, laughter too you know and potatoes you, you don't right okay before i get more in the weeds here i'm gonna move on to wednesday to uh ashley e miller and we're doing psycho killer week here on the 430 movie what's your pick for wednesday once again I am forced to go out of the box by going straight up the middle. <laughs> Into the box. Into the box. <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> you named it. Uh, the film I am about to talk about is an account, a true account, of the tragedy that befell five youths in 1974 What is in a Texas. Youth? Oh. Um, youth. Toby Hooper's. The best uh, little whorehouse in Texas. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the best, the best little whorehouse in Texas, Chainsaw Massacre. Now there is a movie mashup oh, I want to see. In I fact, would, I want to write it I and would, make it. Let's I go. Would, best I we should just go guys, let's shut down. Let's shut down the cameras. Let's go. Um, <laughs> you know, that's one where we should whatever we're working on at the time, we should just shoot on the weekends. Yep. <laughs> we grab the red cameras. We sure. grab everybody, and we just shoot the best little whorehouses in Texas, Chainsaw, Texas Massacre. Chainsaw Massacre. We just go shoot it. Oh my God. No. Um. So. That's God, I love everything about that uh dolly Parton. toby hooper <laughs> is the final girl <laughs> I, I don't know if well you know what i bet she would be she's she's, she's game she's a tough broad you know <laughs> it's like come she's on survivor. she'll start singing to him dolly to Parton versus leatherface <laughs> we shoot the whole thing in dollywood he works more <laughs> than just nine to five <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway ashley right what was I? okay so texas chainsaw yeah, massacre texas chainsaw massacre it's French. part three Part one. Oh. Not part two, not part three. Right. Part one. Nor bloody four, five, or six. How many of them are there? Um, there were quite a few. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey was a lot of massacres. Oh, yeah. Um, right. Toby Hooper, his debut film, mm-hmm. 1974, uh, a movie that, look, a lot of things were going on in the 1970s in horror that um, represented just a, a fundamental shift in how horror films were being made and how audiences were consuming them, right? I mean, we've talked in other podcasts about films like The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, but in a way, those those films were studio pictures. They were mm-hmm. studio films. Um, and movies like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre were really horrors answer to what was happening um, in very, uh, you know, a tour-driven independent 
film. Um, it was it was hardly the first film to the party in terms of uh, uh, you know what we were getting with so-called slasher films. What would become the slasher genre, right? I think Last House on the Left, um, Black Christmas are probably Black Christmas, by the way, really great. Um, directed by Bob oh, Clark. Clark. Directed We've Christmas had this story. conversation. Yeah. On like talking about uh, last movies, last yeah. season, talking about Christmas movies. Yeah. Um, but they really sort of set something in motion uh, in terms of how these movies were being the made. The spice it was, set it in motion. Yeah, this, and uh, you know the the uh, the, the, the stain becomes a warning, and uh, yeah. the stains did become. They should have been a warning to everybody who went to that house in Texas. <laughs> uh, but, but before these kinds of films became packaged into franchises, right? Uh, we don't think about Halloween as being an independent film. We don't think mm-hmm. about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as being an independent film, and it was. It was right. shot for next to nothing, and. The thing that's great about it, other than it's incredibly simple um, and incredibly terrifying because of its simplicity and because of just like how elemental the the plot is, um, is that it's not as gory as you think it is, right? right? Like the thing that's astonishing about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is Toby Hooper couldn't afford to show chainsaws going through people, Right. right? He couldn't afford to show like, you know, people getting like these horrible wounds and do torture porn. He couldn't do any of that. Yet when we think of this movie, those are the things that we think about because he shot it so effectively that we believed that those things were happening. Right. Um, and it was like, it well, wasn't- It goes back to Hitchcock and Psycho. Yeah, completely. It's, you know, it, it's the things that we suggest that have the, the, the greatest impact. Um, and Toby Hooper had to suggest all of these things rather than simply depict them. And in fact, they had such a hard time uh, with the fake blood mm-hmm. that there was a scene, like in the, the infamous dinner scene, and I won't spoil it, but let's just say that there's a moment involving some blood where some things are blood is consumed and it's like an actor actually had to get his finger cut uh, to create the the blood effect. Like people were, where there were injuries on this movie was because the injuries were real. Um, there are so many great things about this film. It is, it's actually quite a beautiful film. Um, the last shot of Leatherface kind of going after the girl who escapes uh, as he's sort of swinging his chainsaw into the air. It's an amazing shot. The shot where the girl first approaches the house. It's mm-hmm. a classic moment. Like, look this up. I mean, you'll find it on YouTube because it's just one of those moments, one of those scenes that really stands out. Um, she just she just stands up from just a little swing and it's just a simple walk across a yard towards this house right to left and they're just following her basically like on like a little um like a not a skateboard whatever the hell you call those things dolly a creeper yeah it was just but it was like it was the the cheap ass version of that a wheelchair they they had to steal it daniel pearl who was a cinematographer had to steal that shot they had to basically like you know say hey look over there to the line producer and get that shot (laughs) um it's just it is such a beautiful film um i mean obviously toby hooper went off to have like a, a career and do some cool stuff. I mean, there did are some he? arguments about like how uh, much he? of it was the cool stuff was him. Like we can have the cold conversation about poltergeist. Well, he did all the life force. Right. Yes, he did. But you, what we can't take away from him is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. which really created a genre and I think still sort of stands as the as the best example of it. Mm. Well, you know, I'm gonna say something sacrilegious. I actually prefer the Marks the Spell remake. Um, <laughs> I'm not God a huge fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I need to watch it again. You know, because I haven't watched it in many years. I, I, you know, I know put the Grand and Grand Guignol, um, but uh, <laughs> the I, Grand and Grandma, the Grand, yeah, yeah. I, My I, grandpa I, actually. I, I never really out. liked it. You know, but I'm not a fan of redneck porn, and it kind of is like redneck <laughs> porn to me. Uh, so um, I'm not a huge fan of that movie, but I, I should watch it again because hearing you extol it with such passion. And I know, obviously, it's a movie that's beloved in the annals. You mean of flyover horror. horror? Yeah, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Kinda. So, um, uh, you know, I gotta, I, but I should watch it again because I know it's a very significant uh, film. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm very interested in the way, you know, that obviously Canon Films then gave him a lot more money for the second film because, you know, they were trying to lure him to do all that. Uh, you know, he did Life Force and Invasion of the... They uh, wanted him to do uh, Spider-Man. Invaders from Mars and they wanted him to do Spider-Man. And right. just, I'm fascinated by Toby's career overall and he was a lovely man. I, I did a mm-hmm. Q&A once with him for Life Force at the uh, Cinematheque. Um, and I really look and I acknowledge that people love this movie. I... 
I just think it's too, uh, maybe it's too just screwed up for me. I mean, and not in a bad way, just mm-hmm. that it's a very di- disturbing, disturbing film. Yeah, and I, I actually, am, I've never been a particularly f- fan of disturbing films. So It's I, very upsetting. It truly is. And I, I think just like, again, like another example of that is Last House on the Left, although I think, which is Wes Craven's debut, I, I think that... Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, is technically a more accomplished film mm. um, than Last House on the Left. Although, I mean, arguably, I think I you'd agree. rather have Wes Craven's career than... It uh, also than is, as you said, Daniel Pearl's first film, and, and who's become a, a remarkable cinematographer and uh, it's br- br- brilliant, you know, very brilliantly and imaginatively shot. And there's no question it belongs in Psycho Killer Week. It's the granddaddy of these Psycho Killer movies. Uh, you know, like I said, personally, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I absolutely agree it, it, as being, you know, essential pick for Psycho Killer Week. Here's yeah, but, a, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was just going to say, uh, here's another title for uh, another movie that we should make, uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacrist. <laughs> <laughs> now, this, this, uh, this, is, this is another one of those movies whose reputation preceded it, mm-hmm. in my case, because mm-hmm. I was a kid when it came out in 1974, so it was many years before I saw it, and it had this aura around it where you just see like a picture of it on the cover of Fangoria or something like that mm-hmm. on the newsstand. Like, oh, and it has such an evocative title. Yes, that just sounds, yes. That Ooh, just, scary. Scary. It just sounds <laughs> horrifying. The idea of being massacred with a chainsaw. In Texas. Is, yeah, in, in Texas. It's just got a visceral punch to it. It just makes your skin crawl, or at least it did mine yeah, when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah. So I, I can see that. Um, and when I finally saw it, it, it is a disturbing. Movie. Who will survive? Who I would like to see the this? count though narrated. I would love One, to see it. That. that would be great. Three. I love to beep. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, oh dear! The last thing I'll, I'll say about it is, uh, you know, I'm I'm doing this little animated show for Netflix right now that I, I can't talk about otherwise. But uh, very often, when talking with the animators, we'll talk about comps for different scenes, right? And I think I probably reference the Texas Chainsaw Massacre more than just about anything. And it's not a horror piece at all. Um, Just because of how effective um, Daniel Pearl cinematography is. Just about how effective um, that that movie is in terms of just creating that sense of you're there. Um, Mm. It's just... It's just that well made. I just want to say, you know, this is, I think, a particularly important point to make. Like, just because I don't like this movie doesn't make it bad. You know, it's like, you know, it's like on the internet. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, if I don't, you know, when people are like, I don't like it so much, it's terrible, right? It's like, I can acknowledge why this is a classic and why it's a great movie. I just don't personally like it, you know? But it's kind of like, I don't get this whole idea that there's only one subjective criteria right. which well, is right. objective um, because Mark you're, you're an adult right uh, and you can and hold more than one idea really. in your head at the same time and vice versa yeah. you know you might love a movie and acknowledge right. you know what it's not very good like Howard's right. a duck but I love like it like Life Force yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can love it for all the wrong reasons well maybe, I, maybe, all the maybe right some reasons. of the reasons are right yeah. um, when, so. you, when, you've, when you've let that mindset sink in, sink in it's so liberating yeah. you know that it's okay to love a movie that's maybe not good, yep. or it's okay to not like a movie. And I have to say that was one of my favorite weeks in season one, which we which we didn't talk about. But Life Force Week? No, no, yeah, yeah. Guilty Pleasures Week yeah. by yeah, right. far. I thought that week was great. Another week I thought was great was uh, Movies We're Thankful For Week. Yeah. Oh yeah. What, what was your favorite week last season? I don't. Movies Mark, we're I, thankful I, I week can't remember nice. them. Well, you remember what you said <laughs> about perfume on the first episode. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything. Remember we started the podcast? We didn't have a name. Right. We just talked about a bunch of crap. Yeah. <laughs> and we had no idea what the hell the show was. Uh-huh. I don't even remember. It's like, and then we, we talked about Star Wars, and we were talking about some other stuff, and Star Trek Five, and it's like, we just did it. And then it was like two weeks later, it's like, hey, we should do the 430 movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it was like, it was so funny. It was like, it was like workshopping a theater show. It's like, we're going to get, we're going to find a podcast. Who would have thought from those humble beginnings, what a great empire we've developed. Great podcast <laughs> empire. Yes, indeed. Um, um, I would. Mark, I, you're stalling. Yeah. You don't know what you're yeah. going to pick, are you? Because I, <laughs> I stole your idea. <laughs> You, <laughs> you're good. You're good. <laughs> you're good. Well, I, I have to tell you, I am somewhat stymied because, um, uh, you know, Psycho we picked for Hitchcock week, so I can't right. go with Psycho, right? Right. 
so that means okay. Tom Holland Psycho Two. Yeah. No, oh, there's a there's a lot of there's no, no. a lot of good ones. Here. Psycho Three actually better. Anthony Perkins. Um, there's there's another one that I, I I'm surprised uh, you didn't. Well, I'm you didn't about pick. to pick it. Maybe okay, maybe you okay. are. I don't. Let's think find it. out. I'm not picking Frenzy. Okay, but I thought about it. Yeah. Because, you know, we didn't pick it for Hitchcock Week. I kept muttering Notorious and I met Frenzy. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, you were saying Notorious? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I picked Notorious for Hitchcock Week. Yes, you did. But I did not pick Frenzy, nor am I picking it today. <laughs> um, what is it? What does he say? Precious? No, that's that's Gollum. Yeah. He doesn't say Precious. Uh, precious. Precious. What's he, what's he say in Frenzy? Oh, gosh. What's he whisper? Pretty, pretty. No, pretty, no, it's no, not pretty, pretty. Oscar, it's, Oscar. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, do you, what does he say in Frenzy? It's so famous. He's like, uh, uh, lovely, lovely. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. I, 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 I do like Frenzy, though. But the problem is it was sort of Hitchcock trying to stay relevant. You know, it was like his first R-rated movie, I think. You know, had nudity and everything. And it's it's it has its moments. It has some great shots in it. Um, but... Uh, but that's not my pick. Not my favorite Hitchcock. Not my favorite Hitchcock by far, which is why I'm not going to pick it because um, we did a great Hitchcock week. All those are classics. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm going to go. You did Fincher. I'm going to go with Michael Mann. Oh, Manhunter. There you go. Okay. okay. Manhunter, which you know, in the in the shadow of the brilliant Silence of the Lambs, doesn't get the love it deserves. Right. Brian Cox was totally overshadowed by the more hammy, and I say that in a you know, best Shatnerian sense. sense. Uh, but Brian Cox boy. is gives this really grounded Hannibal Lecter performance. Has Stephen Lang in it. Um, it has this great ending to Anagata Devita. Um, uh, I you know wonderful uh, performance by William Peterson, which presaged obviously his CSI role as well as uh, his role in To Live and Die in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just uh, it's Michael Mann, very slickly directed. I remember seeing this movie, knowing nothing about. It. I hadn't read the Thomas Harris books. Went to go see it, and um, just was blown away. And it was sort of the '80s, like that post Miami Vice era. So of course the ending has that. You know, <laughs> it shouldn't have worked. This whole Anagata Devita thing, but it works really well. Um, and it's very creepy and stylish and cool. And uh, I'm a big, big fan of Manhunter, but also very dark. Mm-hmm. Not something I go back to a lot. Disturbing as the best of these movies are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess my, I guess uh, <laughs> my my pick would be Manhunter. I, you know, I, I, if I wanted to throw one right, one right down the middle, and I, I guess I'll suggest this for Friday because Manhunter will be my pick for Thursday. Uh, Halloween. Oh, you know, sure. Um, Halloween, what's that? <laughs> you know, uh, but Halloween maybe is straight down the middle. Maybe what we really should be saying, which I would advocate for, I don't know if anybody would take this leap of, leap with me, is Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, which is a movie which doesn't get any love and deserves a lot more. Hmm. Uh, you know, at the time it was, you know, lambasted because, of course, Michael Myers wasn't in it. But it was such an interesting attempt to turn Halloween into an anthological franchise. And Dan O'Hurley is great. Happy <laughs> Halloween. And, you know, these kids being given these Halloween masks. And, song. and this, the creepy song. And Shamrock, uh, you know, uh, toys. And I, I I remember, again, like most people, I did not see in the theater, mm-hmm. you know, the empty theaters. Uh, but I did see it on home video when it came out. I just adore that movie. You didn't buy the masks, though. I did no. not buy the masks. <laughs> you didn't wear them and watch So I'm going to just drag it back a little bit to uh, to Manhunter because I think that's a, a, a totally great pick. And what I love most about Manhunter is there really hasn't been anything else like it. Like Michael Mann doing a, a movie like that with his sort of sense of, of style and, and image. It's so – it has a hypnotic quality that other films in the genre simply do not have. In, in some ways, it's the anti-Fincher, right? Because yes. there is not – like, you know, when I think of Zodiac, for example, I think of that shot inside like that crappy house where that dude has been living by himself and it's all sort of dirty and there's <laughs> oh, like John sex Carol Lynch, toys right? that have been – and it's – just gross and you feel every like piece of dirt there's not a fleck of dirt in manhunter no. it is beautiful yet it is terrifying and it, what I, one of the things i think that man does so well other than kind of create um these just incredibly uh lush uh, images that just 
pull you in is that he always marries his image incredibly well to the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just the use of Inagata de Vida at the end. It's it's throughout. The yeah, whole thing yeah. feels like you are in the middle of like this delirious rock opera that is about death. Um, there's a lot of great images in that movie. Um, the the reporter strapped to the chair on yeah, Stephen, fire. Stephen you know, Lang, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so many great things about Manhunter. I, I love that pick and I love that film. Um, and I secretly, I mean, look, Silence of the Lambs is a classic and I love it and I could talk for an hour about how much I love it. But Manhunter, secretly, I kind of like it better. Well, it's funny because it's also, it's not cool to like Silence of the Lambs. Everyone likes it. It won Best Picture, for God's right, sake. exactly. Whereas Manhunter is still like the secret gem because yeah. Manhunter was released by the Dino De Laurentiis group, which, mm-hmm. you know, couldn't get a rest. Everything they yep. did turned to, was a disaster. Most of them are classics now, but, right. you know, Blue Velvet, all but they, every, nothing they put out was successful. Um, you know, he was just drawing money at these auteur filmmakers, you know, to do these passion projects that no one cared about and they didn't have a market. And um, I remember Manhunter came out and it was a huge bomb. And, uh, yeah, and, and you thought that was going to be the end of that. But um, then, of course, um, you know, Orion went on and made Silence of the Lambs and had a huge success with that. But, um, you know, it is sort of like this little secret society of like, yeah, you know, because then they did Red Dragon mm-hmm. and they did Young Hannibal and they did, you know, Brian's brilliant show Hannibal. But uh, but Manhunter me is like the, the, the you know, the best of them all. I, as much as I like Silence of the Lambs, um, I just think um, plus I was a huge Michael Mann fan at the time. Uh, I, you know, I loved. You're a fan of man. My, <laughs> I loved. Uh, I loved. Uh, I loved uh, Miami Vice, but I really love Crime Story on no. NBC. And of course, yeah, and of course, Thief, and and uh, later on Heat. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Ford versus Ferrari, which is his new film, which should be fantastic. Um, but yeah, Man- Manhunter, you know, just this is, it's the one that fell through the cracks. And I know, you know, Brian Cox continues to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about the whole thing. Was like, you know, everybody talks about Hopkins is right. the definitive, but you know, he's great. And then of course, Miles Milkinson. Matt Michelson, yeah, Matt Michelson, Matt Michelson, ended up uh, doing such a wonderful job with that character right. later as as well. So it, it is one of these roles that can be reinterpreted over time. I, yeah. I agree. And Miles I, I, Miles I Monroe it. did really and, great. And job. Miles Miles Michael Michael Michelson, Miles Michael Man, Jessica von Puttermaker. I love Manhunter, but it's not a film. That I revisit very often, where I right. can watch Silence of the Lambs, you know, right. a lot more. It's I agree just much with more that. entertaining. I've seen Silence of the Lambs many more times yeah. than Manhunter. Yeah. It's it's just it's 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 more cinematic. Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's more palatable. It's very audience friendly. <laughs> it's very yeah. audience friendly. It's a very audience friendly But it was a surprise. Killer. I mean, I think it was released in February at a time when yeah. nothing good came out between mm-hmm. Christmas and like you know. The end of April, it was like right. a dumping ground, and this movie Silence of the Lambs kind of came out of nowhere. It's like it was Valentine's Day release. Yeah, I think it Happy was Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Yeah. And I remember take going my wife in to that with, uh, with no expectations. I didn't even know what it that it was a that it was a sequel to my, to Manhunter. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> and it yeah. just blew me away. I loved it. What did we? Um, Silence of the Lambs. We did pick Silence of the Lambs for something. I didn't think we, we might have uh, Archivist last year. Archivist, Zach. We, uh, we don't <laughs> so, know. Did we pick? <laughs> did we pick Silence of the Lambs for anything? No, we didn't. Huh? Interesting. We talked about it. We must have talked oh, about I it. thought you know what? We discussed it during Oscar week. Oh, oh we right. discussed it during Oscar week, and and I know you gave a very staunch defense of it, deservedly yeah. so. Um, so uh, yeah, that that's when it came up, but it was it didn't make the cut. But there's a lot of other films we can discuss for Friday. There Absolutely. are. Let's do I, it. You know what? I I, I want to start this off with a with a wacky suggestion. Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> a, you know what? As a psycho killer movie. How about a franchise killer movie? Yeah. I, I agree with the premise of your suggestion. I might not necessarily ultimately agree it should be the Friday pick, but I agree with your premise. I, I, I don't expect it to be picked, but I think it should be considered. Mm. Let's think about it. I mean, because you're right. <laughs> because we don't see what happens to the kids. <laughs> That's right. And it can be argued that he's killing them. Yeah. In horrible ways. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I've I'm only saying. seen that movie once. No, it's and, horrible. And I hate it. No, it's um, it's horrible. <laughs> and I say this having week, worked two months on it. Mm. Um, it's it's terrible. And, uh, yeah, 
So there. Yeah. And, and think, think of it as a as a murder movie. Right. I mean, you know, there are two movies we didn't mention uh, or we briefly alluded to uh, in the David uh, Fincher oeuvre, uh, Seven. Yep. And of course, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, right. um, which are you know both excellent movies. Yeah. yeah. But I think we, we we with Zodiac, I think he's well represented. I think that's his masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's. Uh, I thought that you were going to pick Peter Bogdanovich's mm. first film, Targets. Oh, oh dude, uh, so what, a, what an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Which is you know about this kid who is a sniper. He's a psycho killer. He's sniping people from a water tower right. on the freeway, and uh, it's a fascinating low budget. Again, one of these low budget horror movies. Well, an intercut with this whole story of this failing film actor played by Boris Karloff who Bogdanovich had befriended Mm, and got to be, and he kind of played a thinly veiled version of himself. It almost would be great for like actors playing themselves weak, Mm. you know. Well, Um, you know, Karloff actually had a huge problem it took some work to get him to say yes because what he was afraid of was that all he that, would say is Rrr. yeah but it, his his concern was that Bogdan, bogdanovich was was uh, was going to make right. fun of him yeah. and that that's what the point of the movie was and it wasn't it was a passing of the torch yeah. it was a way of saying like you know horror movies have have evolved we've moved on to this other thing but it was i think said very respectfully well you know what because it was all grunting in the makeup <laughs> one gives two sheets for bella well it's so funny because bella and boris could not have been more different right you know and when you look at Bella and, and his career and then and, and Boris was sort of the Cesar Romero kind of much more distinguished gentlemanly figure and he's so you do get the sense of an end of an era you know the way now we're sort of feeling like the end of the era we grew up on which is sort mm-hmm. of this 80s 90s 70s like era of filmmaking you know which has given way to something completely different right that was sort of an elegy for the sort of 30s, 40s, 50s kind of right. era, uh, even into the 60s. You know, so what all those guys, you know, Friedkin and the film Bratz and, you know, they were closing the door on the people that preceded them. We're sort of at the point where we're looking back very fondly, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and, you know, which has come to an end with sort of the current state of filmmaking and certainly film scholarship, you know, where it's like anyone with a computer could consider mm-hmm. themselves some kind of insightful film critic. I mean, look at us. <laughs> well, <laughs> well we're not just it, anyone with a computer. With, you know, targets, I mean, a significant scene takes place at a drive-in yeah. in Reseda, which actually yeah. my uh, my storage unit is on the property formerly occupied by the Reseda right? drive-in wow. movie theater. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, this film actor who's, you know, famous for playing movie monsters in this movie about a very sort of naturalistic real life monster you know right. I, I, the the boy next door basically uh, look you know i love bogdanovich i actually think it's a great choice i have to ask you and this is completely unrelated so it'd be perfect for the show um did you watch the netflix completion of the uh, orson wells film other side of the wind no i did not you haven't watched it no. yes oh it's fascinating it's not very good but it's fascinating the documentary the well documentary is great <laughs> documentary is fantastic what did you think of it? you know i i enjoyed the documentary immensely yeah and of course i'm a huge fan of orson wells and i am fully knowledgeable about his his uh ups and downs yeah and i think frankly he had gone insane mm. I really think that his his mind had gone so uh, turned in on itself um, from all the things going on in his life that uh, because it, it's it's completely bonkers. The film is completely nuts. Yeah, but I kind of felt it was the same thing Hitchcock went through late in his career. When you look at Frenzy and Torn not Torn Curtain uh, uh, and and um, the, the the last film he did in seventy six. Family plot, where he's like trying to stay relevant, you know, and and it felt to me that Orson Welles was trying to do the same thing, you know, like kind of after like the French New Wave and everything, and it's like this bizarre. It's like almost had like the Passenger or something. It's- yeah, I he was he. I think that he was at a point where he said, "Look, I know all the rules. I know how to do these. I don't give a shit anymore. I'm just gonna do what I feel like." And have my girlfriend be naked for half the movie. Sure, but uh, as you do. Um, but you you find you find all that in uh, F for Fake as well. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, to me, I think F for Fake is a lot more successful mm. than Other Side of the Wind turned out to be. And who knows what it really would have really been. Yeah, been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, obviously Wells did a lot in editing. Sure. 
uh, to his films. So uh, who knows? I think it's certainly a fascinating look at what was done and what he shot mm-hmm. um, as to the you know validity of the final version. Sure. Who knows? Yeah, that's why the documentary is so interesting. The documentary yeah. is is amazing. Uh, really, really amazing. amazing. And uh, but it was interesting to 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 watch. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And and Bogdanovich is is fascinating in how his stories tend to change over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. And they, they, they he becomes more and more important in the in each, in the, each in time the tale. in, the, t- in yeah. the telling of the story. Yes, very, 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 very much so. And that's why we just find him such a fascinating, He's a great story figure. Tell. But what I love about you know Peter, of course, is he began as a film critic, very insightful and interest. You know, and and. and you know, got to see his his le- you know spend all his time with these legendary figures. You know, uh, whether it be John Ford or Willie Wyler or Hitchcock, got to know all of them. You know, and then went on to make his his own movies, um, including I think one of the best movies of uh, the Last Picture Show, Last Picture Show, which sure. is a masterpiece. Yeah, but Targets is a very interesting choice, and there are other you know kind of movies like In Cold Blood we could consider. Yeah, um, sure. You know, the Truman Capote uh, story uh, uh, in Cold. Blood. Blood, um, oh. natural born killers, Oliver right. Stones, yep. um, uh, but um, out of the I box. really like. I oh, really yeah, like natural born. Yeah, killers. I do too. I, I think do it's too. Fascinating. I, I, there's been a lot of uh, sort of think pieces about it. I've seen recently. I guess it's the anniversary year, so there, I saw several articles just trashing it. Mm. I thought, what are you? T-? I mean, it's a fascinating movie, and. I love the way Stone switched between shooting on video or shooting I, black the mixed and media, white, yeah, the yes, mixed media yes. stuff. Where it kind of felt like you know channel flipping or web surfing right. in a way. Yeah, where you're, yeah. Well, I didn't love it when it came out, but in retrospect, I appreciate it a lot more. And I think also given you know kind of the sort of the retrospective oh f this movie thing. Yeah. I mean that kind of makes me just want to defend it. Yeah. Um, simply because, you know, now I kind of look back at it and go, oh, he was trying things. It's so audacious. That's what I loved about it. It was so energetic. And that, to me, that movie kind of signaled the end of Stone. That was, I thought, his last great movie Mm. or his last good movie. Oliver Stone did a lot of horror. Actually, yeah. like in the, the hand, yeah, the hand. The hand. he doesn't talk about that. Like even when you come out with the DVD, Blu-ray collection of like the Oliver Stone collection, the, the hand, hand is, is somehow in never in it. Salvador's there, but it's not no the hand. hand, no hand, no, no hand. hand. So, and the hand, it's so much better than Salvador. I mean, yeah. come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, Save it for War Movie Week. Right? Um, uh, so an out of the box. Well, I don't know if this is out of the box, but it's a it's sort of something completely different, right? Um, American International Pictures, 1971 release. Uh, Vincent Price, The Abominable, Dr. Oh, Fives. Oh, that's oh, a good course. one. That's it is campy choice. as hell, um, but it is actually, especially like when I was a kid and I saw it, the, the campiness of it is really effective in making it frightening. The The premise is there's this doctor who, I mean, he's not the doctor, but he's a concert pianist, right, right. Um, whose wife dies in surgery. There are these six surgeons like who he thinks have, have, uh, have failed her and that they're responsible for her death. And um, and he sets out to have his revenge on all of them, and uh, and he kills them using um, you know deaths inspired by the ten plagues of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And the best, I mean, it has like the best third act um, that I almost don't want to spoil. But let's just say that um, he gives uh, one of the surgeons a, a very personal challenge uh, involving um, the surgeon's son, uh, a key that has been surgically implanted into the boy's chest and a ticking clock. And it's just fantastic. And then, of course, later Dr. Fibes rises again. Mm. So it's it's difficult to have a conversation about horror without talking about Vincent Price. Yeah, and I love this movie, and it kind of fits into the into the mold. So I'm throwing it out Are there for Friday. Are you ready for Dr. Fibes? My God, that's good. Oh, my God, that's so good. That might be your best. Now, can you can, 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 <laughs> now can we hear what it was like when he, makes, uh, when he meets the Brady Bunch? No. I, 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 that was always my favorite Vincent Price. Um, I when I go ha- reheat my beans. No, that's great. Yeah, enough. <laughs> um, you know, I mentioned how I'm not a huge fan of Texas Chainsaw. I want to suggest two movies I think are potential movies for Friday that I'm not a fan of either of okay. these. Uh, uh, one is um, Badlands, uh, oh. Terrence Malick's mm-hmm. Badlands. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not not a huge fan of Badlands, um, and I think that that potentially um, you know could be be a good pick. Um, 
I forget what the second one was. I know I'm not a fan of Badlands. Um, what other movies are you not well, a fan of? Right. Uh, oh, some more American Psycho. Oh, that was it. Right, Mary <laughs> American Psycho. Yes, that was going to be my We're other. Simpatico today. I That's see. That's really <laughs> funny. That was. Thank you, Steve. That would have bugged me all day. Um, if you want to go like kind of way out of the box in terms of redefining a film within this genre, you could argue that Dirty Harry. Uh, is sure. it a psycho killer movie? It, right. it was Callahan, right? <laughs> the Scorpio. Killer? I mean, I yeah. think well, that, that's absolutely a, yeah, a valid absolutely, interpretation. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what though? You, that made me think of something that wasn't on my list. And I'm not sure it's right for Bronco the, Billy. No, no. But I thought uh, Dirty Harry made me think of Andrew Robinson, which made me think of Hellraiser. Right. Yeah. You know. Yes. And, yes. And I love Hellraiser. And of course, they're finding you know for Uncle Frank, they're killing these people. Yep. You know, and that's the, true. And the, the Cenobites are the ultimate. You know. I and I love, love Hellraiser. I, Me too. I was actually going to uh, talk about Hellraiser two for our monster movie weekend. Ah. Uh, but um, I yeah. have to think. I hesitated. Oh my God! It's so the, good. I I'm a fan of two more than I am of the really? first. One. I'm a fan of the first one. I don't like the second. That's one. interesting. I love them both. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I can and see I why you would be because it has all that amazing imagery yeah. of the mazes and stuff. And yeah. you being an artist and a conceptual designer, like yeah. I could see you much being intrigued by the visuals. Whereas to me, the story in Hellraiser is much more interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I I love Hellraiser, man. I mean, dude, we, we could do a whole podcast just on Hellraiser. Um, it's Hellraiser week on the four thirty movie. Really is. I mean, I mean, again, it's Andy Robinson, Doug Bradley, who like right. you want to talk about creating an iconic character. Yeah. Doug Bradley creates an iconic character. That guy is so good. I mean, Claire Higgins is great. Just after a like, visit Claire to Higgins Home Depot. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's just it's weird and it's sexy and it's like it's. Clive Barker showing that he's, you know, that he actually has real directing chops. He did. Like, it's sad that he didn't do more. He did Nightbreed, and then he, he did uh, uh, Lord of Illusions. Lord of Illusions, right? Which, which kind of fell apart in the third act, but yeah. like, but it was like really interesting to watch, right? Like, uh, no, I, I love Hellraiser. There's a movie I went in with no expectations, and I came out like, wow, this movie's mm. really good. Chris Young score, oh, one yeah. of the most iconic horror villains of all time, in Pinhead. Yeah. Um, it's just dark and screwed up and just oh it's so cool and the mythology is so interesting yeah the mythology that spawned a hundred director video sequels um <laughs> it's it's just a great and then they you know another thing you know where it just progressively get worse and worse and worse as they make these director video sequels but i mean you know the first and the second movie were theatrical <laughs> films and you know they, they're they're really strong strong films so i mean there's hellraiser i mean Again, you know, Halloween is the right. granddaddy of all this stuff. Peeping Tom, obviously, Friday as well. The 13th. Uh, the, all, all the Friday the 13th films, none of which I think are particularly no. that great. Yeah, I mean, Friday the 13th um, was really like the McDonald's of uh, of right. slasher films, whereas Halloween, I mean, really started in a legit place. I mean, Halloween jo- is the Shake Shack. It is. Of, <laughs> well, whereas <laughs> Friday the 13th is Actually, the McDonald's. That's not a bad way of looking at it because part of what was driving, you know, there's an argument that John Carpenter kind of looked at what um, Bob Clark had done with right. Black Christmas mm-hmm. and a lot of Halloween mm-hmm. was um, an attempt to kind of recapture that idea of you kind of you take the holiday and you link it with like it's the with the serial killer and it's but mm-hmm. what he did was so fascinating because he look Siri wants to tell me about serial killers good lord so Siri. Nightmare on Elm Street is like the Wendy's yeah it is <laughs> yeah for sure um, you know and what's the Carl's Jr. the Carl's Jr. Um, would be would be uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Massacre. Oh yeah. yeah, you know that is a yeah. really Western star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh change. my God, I totally. That's you were so on the mind. This is actually a really good way. So let me see if we have this right. So McDonald's. But what's the internet? Would be Friday Thirteenth. We'll get there. Shake Shack, which is the gourmet burger. Organic would, local would, would, would be. Um, we talked about would be Halloween. Yeah. Which is the good franchise, and then yeah. we have. We haven't got the Burger King yet. The Wendy's is, we said, is Nightmare, is nightmare which I totally see mm-hmm. with the little girl with the pigtails. Hot and juicy. And, yeah. hot juicy. <laughs> and then we have, and then we have, um, uh, for, uh, we talked about, um, for Carl's Jr., so perfect, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> yeah. um, Chainsaw Massacre franchise. So we have we have to film Burger King in and out. And the $6 is about what they spent on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There you go. That's right. That's right. The $6 burger <laughs> is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it actually is the uh, Leatherface back there carving up right. the meat. Um, <laughs> so Burger King and in and out Burger. So oh, Burger King you know. would be sort of more low rent. So more yeah. what would be a more low rent 
Friday the Thirteenth slasher for no, we got that from McDonald's. Saw, saw, saw is the Burger King. that's good. Saw. Okay, so in defense of Burger King, it has a great ending. Yeah, you know, it has a great setup, a great ending, and a middle that makes me go, why didn't you stick with the? It's flame broiled. They're the ones who have the veggie burgers, so they're a little off, but there's something to be said for it. Okay, so and now you can have it your way. Now, mm. and now, right? And now, the In and Out is the best of all these burgers, but it's still a fast food burger. But they have less of a selection. You can't get chicken there. You can't get. You, you know, you can only get. I would the, think that would psycho? have to be Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, yeah. It would be the Hannibal films. Yeah, yeah. that would be the In and Out because it's higher quality. Yeah. But more but limited. Less, but yeah. But yeah. less. Okay. So let me see if I have this right. <laughs> Friday thirteenth is McDonald's. Halloween is Shake Shack. Yeah. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is Wendy's. Right. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is Kyle's Jr. Uh, Saw is the Burger King. Yeah. And then Hannibal is the In and Out Burger of horror franchises. This may you know, be our strangest digression yet. <laughs> it really is. And we talked about we're not only programming your week of movies, we are programming what you're supposed to eat while watching. <laughs> <laughs> Oh These two goodness. things pair together very well. Oh, God. It's like a nice reasoning. Yeah. Other shows pair wine and fish. We tell you what fast food you should eat while <laughs> you're watching. Movies. Oh, my What's God. What's Friday pick, guys? Yeah, what well, is the Friday a, pick? There's, we didn't talk about Henry, Portrait of a oh, Serial shit. Killer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's also From Hell. Right. Yeah, sure. The Alan, and uh, Alan. The Hitcher. Right. Oh, The Hitcher, mm-hmm. Rucker Hauer, uh, who died during our off-season. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So we need to get record Hour Week. Well, we we will get that when we oh, do and, Nighthawks and, and Blade Runner and Man Bites Dog. Yep. Kind of an interesting, sure, interesting uh, choice. And Serial Mom. Serial Mom. Okay. Yeah, John that would. Uh, I don't know what the fast so food place I for IHOP. IHOP is for Serial Mom. <laughs> uh, but um, I still think I, I still think uh, Halloween or Hellraiser for me. I feel like it should be it, Halloween. It probably I mean, should be it Halloween. Should be Halloween. Yeah. It should be I mean, Halloween this, for Halloween. This is the week. Yeah. Yeah. our last of, of our Halloween shows. Of course, yeah. it should be Halloween. Halloween. And let's face it, Halloween, Friday the Halloween. Halloween's <laughs> freaking great, yeah. and Jamie it, Lee it Curtis is. is great. Yeah, it's brilliantly Donald directed. Donald Pleasance is great. It shows how to use a steady cam. Oh, um, the Loomis. The yep. score is great. One of the Halloween sequels, they used the building that my wife works in at the VA as an establishing shot for one of the office buildings. Was it for Halloween 2? I think it was Halloween 2. See, you won't hear that on any other show. So there you go. I go visit her office like, oh my God, that's the building from Halloween 2. That's where the- Well, my wife was once babysitting some kids and her brother that she didn't know about showed up in a William Shatner mask and tried to kill him. Super weird. Yeah, you know, and, and that was a great year, 1978. Great year for movies. So, um, and John Car- John Carpenter really was the granddad of them all. He kicked us off, and these serial killer movies are still with us, and it's all because of Halloween. Yeah, I mean, and 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 a remarkable career he's had, and he is the Keith Richards of horror directors. This is a guy who looks like he's been dying for twenty years, yeah. and he's still <laughs> making movies. Well, he's and... the Nosferatu of horror. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Nosferatu. So anyway, it's a well, very influential genre. I mean, you could one could argue that Alien is mm-hmm. a slasher movie. Yes, you you could, could if we hadn't picked it in a previous yeah. week. <laughs> indeed, <laughs> indeed. Well, you know what? It's, it, that's really a haunted house movie, though. Right, but there, so, yeah, yeah, but there is a it's you awesome. know, yeah. So an alien would be sort of like the uh, the the Mortons of uh, of if we're going with our, our <laughs> you know oh McCormick and Schmix oh uh, of these movies. You're not hungry, but as the meal goes Mark? on, it gets more expensive and less delicious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, I want to thank you for joining so us. We need to go through the week. Oh yes, we oh, do. Yeah. Before we do that, what Monday. Monday is Zodiac, David Fincher's movie. Perfume. Is Tuesday the story of a murderer? Best little whorehouse in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Thursday is also Zodiac. <laughs> Thursday is Manhunter. Manhunter. Thank you, Manhunter. Manhunter. And Friday, Friday is the granddaddy of them all, Halloween. John Carpenter. John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Halloween. Halloween. Um, so happy Halloween to everybody! Thanks for indulging us uh, as we uh, went through three weeks of Halloween scaretober. Uh, <laughs> um, as we talked about all these these great horror and genre movies. Next week we'll be back with an all new episode that will have nothing murderous in it whatsoever. So if you're not a horror fan, you'll be happy to know that we'll be back with an all new episode of the 4:30 movie uh, set back here in in uh, less uh, scary scary times. Um, and uh, 
uh, we want to thank you for uh, joining us for the second season of 430 Movie. If you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with a life every Saturday, and The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast. By the way, the reason I kept that catchphrase is someone on social media said they felt it was insulting to call it the only start podcast for Star Trek fans with life so that made me want to keep it <laughs> and you know what yeah. kids um, we get to say that I think we've earned that right we don't have to earn it we just do it because That's, we because do we what to. we want and oh, because yeah. it's what I wish to do because Dean Devlin paid for this microphone <laughs> and we have a life yeah. uh, <laughs> true and we have a life well you guys also uh, the best uh, uh, movies never made is every other Monday a terrific podcast with Joe Dorosky's Dune uh, producer Steven Scarlatta and Josh Miller the curator of Friday Night Frights which is a great film series here in Los Angeles he's also the screenwriter of Sonic the Hedgehog who had nothing to do with his teeth <laughs> so don't blame him uh, if you enjoyed this podcast please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and uh, go out to uh, In-N-Out Burger or Shake Shack and enjoy your favorite horror film. (laughs) But but please don't kill anyone. (laughs) Don't kill anyone on our account, please. Very important. These movies should be enjoyed. They should be cathartic. They should not encourage you to do anything nasty. Uh, There's enough meanness in the world right now. And as a very uh, special thanks, uh, we have to thank the great Bill Ritter. Uh, What's your favorite horror movie, Bill Ritter, for Halloween? I might have said Frighteners, but you know you'd already. No, Frighteners. we did never pick the Frighteners. Jeffrey Combs. You're confusing Jeffrey Combs on Inglorious uh, Trexperts okay. with uh, Frighteners. Is a, a great, great pick. Peter Love Jackson. It. Very, very fine choice. And Natalie, what about you? Favorite horror movie? I did not pick one of yours. I'm going to say Scream. 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 Okay. Oh, good choice. That's a great good choice. I can't believe we even talk about that. My my yeah. wife is going to be very happy. She loves the Scream movies. And There's a franchise. What franchise yeah. is that? And and I love Scream too. I mean, yeah. but my my wife really loves Scream three, which I can't fathom. It's White Castle. Boy, Scream four though. <laughs> Scream four is really bad. They should have stopped with the three, because the first the first three Scream movies are good. Two not so much, but one and three. I know what three. you did last summer is Jack in the Box. Wow, we missed so many movies. We'll we'll have to come back to this. So anyway, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Natalie. And of course, uh, Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. It's a pleasure to be here on the Electric Surge Network. And it's a pleasure to have you listening to our podcast. So until next week, with an all new episode of 430 Movie, thanks for joining us. Eyewitness News starts now. To the facts. I'm tense and nervous and I can't relax. Can't sleep cause my bed's on fire. Don't touch me, I'm a real live wire. Psycho killer, This episode is brought to you by Millieways. If you've done six impossible things this morning, why not round it off with breakfast at Millieways, the restaurant at the end of the universe? This podcast is a production of the Electric Surge Network.